Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. It's a packed NL Full-Time. Later on, we will look at the National League results in the North and South and also the two results in the National League. But our focus mainly today is on the FA Cup and we've got the usual crowd with us today. We've got Tom Lang. Hiya, Tom. Hi, Luke. Hi, guys. Nice to see you all. And we've also got Dickie with us and Rob. Hiya, guys. All right, chaps. Good evening. Good to see you. And we've also got our specialist FA Cup. No fountain of knowledge. It is Phil Annitz. He's known as the FA Cup Fat File. Hiya, Phil. Hi, guys. Hi. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, it's great to have you. Well, uh, what we'll do is we'll, we'll come back to you in a minute, Phil, because we've got probably the uh, the star of the show with us at the minute. He's uh, I, I know he's had a glass of wine in his hand. Well deserved <laughs> as well. Still got his tracksuit on and everything. That's how uh, hectic it's been. But it is the uh, the Charlie manager. Jamie Vermigler, he's got a glass of red wine in his hand and it well earned that, Jamie. Thank you, I need it. Do you know what? I've not been off my phone replying to all the messages. It's lovely. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, I mean, at 2-0, did you feel you had a chance? I know Wigan went down to 10 men. Was that? Did you feel that was your chance or did you feel it was a game gone? To be honest with you, I, the man got sent off and then that was our that was our opportunity, wasn't it? I mean, we had, we had a game plan. Didn't quite work. They leave two at the back. We had two up top. And we were quite brave against them. The first 20 minutes, we could have had a couple of opportunities and it could, we could have had a goal. Um, at 2-0 down, I wanted to get in at 2-0. That was the priority, getting at 2-0 because we, we felt in the first 20 minutes, if we scored one, then we'd still be able to, to have a little bit of a chance. But as you say, the man down for them, it gave us a real opportunity to get on the ball a little bit more, dictate the tempo of the game. Uh, and I'm pleased we were able to do that. I've got a, I've got a mate who's a Wigan fan who's, who's very grumpy tonight. You've upset him, but... Um... As I say, you must be um, you must be absolutely delighted. And we were just chatting then before we came on air. I think it was yourselves, Solihull and uh, Darlington, who, who all did well against League One and League Two opposition last year, but then kind of faded away and didn't get over the line. They've all won this week, a bit of a spoiler there. But uh, did that experience last year against Doncaster serve you in good stead? I mean, possibly, possibly it did. But we've got a new squad this year. I've recruited differently. We've only got four lads who were left from last year. Um, I, I think the games in the past, to be honest with you, when we've been in the FA Cup, we've made a couple of mistakes. We've got an early lead and we've been able to hold on. And then last year, I think we had one sent off at home and, and then we had the game was brought to us. And same at Fleetwood, we made a couple of mistakes. I think in today's game, there, there's a few mistakes. There naturally is a few mistakes within, within a performance from 90 minutes or uh, including extra time. But today, we, we, I think we did the basic things right in the second half. Not saying we did that in the first half. I thought we were a little bit too deep. We had, as I said, we had a game plan, but it was we did the basics right. We just cleared our lines when we needed to. Scotty Leather got behind the ball and the line. I don't know if you saw that. Smacked him right, bang, <laughs> right bang in the face. Unbelievable um, clearance that. Yeah, and we took our chances, and that's the big thing. You know, we've we've had some performances this year where I think we've been unlucky to come away with nothing. Our league form isn't isn't anything to uh, to shout about, but we've. We've had 17 or 18 opportunities on game and not been able to take them. And today, we took probably around 50% of our chances, I guess. I was going to say, because it just, sorry guys, just before you come in, I was just going to say, because with your league form, it was, it is a bit of a shot because you haven't started that well, have you? 
No, we've not. We've not. And we've been in the games. I mean, you know, credit to the teams that we've come up against. They've done they've done well enough. But just going back to the last game against Bradford, with the greatest respect to Bradford, I, we should be winning that game of football. As I said, we had 17, 18 shots on goal and should be um, and should be winning. Uh, and similar things can be said about other opposition. But it's just the way it goes, isn't it? There's fine margins. Even in the season when we got promoted, it's fine margins in football. Um I'm hoping it's going to help spare us on a little bit, certainly develop a little bit of confidence in the group and hopefully we can take it on a little bit into the league. Guys? Yeah, first of all, congratulations, Jamie. I mean, it's a yeah, sensational result. Even with, with with the 10 men of Wigan, I mean, I think I saw the post-match interview on the BBC where you, you did say you felt that was a turning point, but, you know, you're still 2-0 down. There's still a lot of work to do there, isn't there? Yeah, I'd agree. Is that a Telford top in the background there? I'm afraid it is. Yes, it is. Somewhere <laughs> up on the on behind me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you, look, you're right. You're right to point it out. You know, two nil down. They've got ten men, but there's still a lot of work to do. You see, you see this up and down the country every Saturday. You see someone sent off, but it doesn't mean necessarily. You know, you got a given right to go and score a goal, but the lads had to. You know, they plucked away. They, they kept going and kept going. And to, I think we got the goals at good times, didn't we? You know, Elliot scored a good goal there in the second half. And then Connor's got one at heart, um, in, in extra time. We were able to hold on to it. But as you say, they still needed to be be brave, be on the front foot and take our chances when they arrive. Um, you mentioned that only four players left from last season and uh, you recruited differently. Did you feel it was important that you didn't want any kind of relegation hangover? Is that part of the reason? And and how did you recruit differently this year? I think, so I'll answer the second question first. We recruited differently because the age of our squad, squad was growing. We got the COVID implications on the club. Our budget was already low and being reduced dramatically. Um, and naturally, and, and not to dwell too much on money, but you've got lads who are with you for one year you do well you get an extra 25 quid next year you do well you get an extra 25 quid before you know it there's an extra thousand pounds just for kind of rewarding boys who have been in and around the club for a while so and that that's not the, the prime reason you know i wanted to change we wanted to go to a little bit more of a full-time mentality because we felt that to get back in the national league again we need to prepare for particularly the tuesday games a little bit more in depth you know especially when you're the results aren't going well. You've got to imagine being beaten on a Tuesday, then a Saturday, then a Tuesday, then a Saturday, and then getting prepared again for a Tuesday. It's it's tough. It takes it out of the boys. So just that one session to um, to get rid of any of the previous. previous. So look, we recruited kind of 20, 20 to 24-year-olds, 20 um, lads who are dropping out of full time, who are on a little bit less money, and lads who have really got a hunger and desire to, to kick on um, and to push into the league. So it's more of a full full-time mentality we, we went for. But that wasn't the prime reason, you know, the reason that you just spoke about before. But I think it's an added bonus that lads who from last year who were getting beat, 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 beaten game after game were able to come in with, a, with a, a bit of a winning mentality. Having said that, it's not really worked that well in the league. We've got a few defeats, but look, that was kind of the idea and, and, and the thinking behind it. But I'm really happy with the squad that we've got. They're a young squad. They're hungry. They've shown today that they can compete with good opposition, albeit down to 10 men. But, you know, what an achievement for all the boys to be a part of. Two goals behind and we've beaten Wigan Athletic, who were the last holders of the cup, who were the, 
um, involved in the FA Cup at the moment, or were involved in the FA Cup, I should say. I mean, and, and you've, I think you've justified. I mean, you, you were fortunate in one sense in that you were the the recipients of the buy into the first round, but you've you've more than justified your place there, haven't you? As well, that must be a nice feeling. Yeah, it is. And look, I'll take a buy. I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say we got into the first round with a, a buy. It's no problem for me. I'm, I'll take it. But I think it's important to say that we've beaten two strong sides in York. And in Gateshead to get there, two of the hardest opponents, I think, when you're looking at the National League North draw. So we deserved our place. Um, and you know what? Fight, so much is made of the finances, but this is massive for us. And it's massive for any any league. But we're re- relying on footfall. We're relying on supporters coming in. And when that's not there, inevitably things have got to go. We've had job losses all over the place. A real priority has been the team and the players to try and sustain the club in this league and, and hopefully kick on. Um, so I'm pleased for the, the directors who are living sort of day by day at the moment, trying to get an extra sponsorship through the door. So, you know, a, a little bit of pressure relief, probably. You know, that's not the main aim. The, the main aim is to enjoy football and to win football matches, of course. But when you get a little bit of money in the in the bank as well, wow, it's it's, it's much better for everyone. I was going to say, in terms of the uh, the finances, and I'm, normally if you have a good cut run, it's like you can strengthen your squad. But I'm guessing this year it's different. It's just helping the club survive the money this year, isn't it? Yeah, I'd agree. I think it just pays for that extra person to be in and around the club. You know, it's a wage really that you're keeping. You're probably not cutting a cutting. I'm not going asking them for more money. You know, I'm not going to be knocking on the door saying we just earned. I don't even know what it is what it is today, to be honest with you. But we're probably up to 40, 50, 50k bonus. That for me keeps us in a, in a job until probably February, March, and if we can get get through a little bit more with a bit of sponsorship and take us through to the end of the season. That's why I'm that's how I'm looking at it. And that's how to be honest with you, probably being my downfall a little bit as a manager. I think most managers go into clubs and you're knocking on the door saying, Can I have that ten K? Let me go and get a player. But it works against me and it works for me sometimes. That I am Chorley. I'm a Chorley person. I'm I've been with them for a long, long time and they're close to my heart. So some of the decisions that I make aren't just decisions of hunger, decisions of going to want a victory it's a decision to try and make to try and try and keep a team afloat and keep a club existing for for the good of the community and the, and the supporters that we've got you mentioned the supporters there jamie i suppose that the same as any club this weekend the disappointment is that a result like that and you've not got the supporters there to to enjoy it with you i mean i, I saw the players all do the you know the running <laughs> and the slide to one end and you know there's no fans there to do it to but they they look like they were making the most of the moment and um a nice rendition of someone like you by adele in the dressing rooms going around on um social media as well matter you know. leading that one I need to have a little look. That well, first of all, you're right. The supporters aren't there. That's the little bittersweet, isn't it? Or sweet bitter, or however you want to look at it. It's we kind of joked. Look, there's no fans there. Imagine if there was. Go and enjoy it with them. Just have a bit of a laugh. And I think two or three of the boys, the brave lads, just you know, it's embarrassing to do things like that. But it's just part of the moment, isn't it? You look at people doing things like like, like that. And you think, what are you doing? But when you've got that little bit of adrenaline in your stomach and and, and going all around your body, you can't help but but get involved in moments like that. And credit to the boys, they had a good laugh. And in the changing room, Adele, someone like you, it's a song that I introduced years ago. It's a bit of a, 
a bit of a soppy soft song, but the lads just seem to. to I was, I was going to ask there. you what the significance was because it's clearly one that they all. I mean, they were all joining in. It must mean something to you, yeah. I think a while ago when Yanni was here with us, we were looking for a song that just gave that everyone knew the words to that you could have a good sing along to, and and we've always tried to um, revert to a different song, one of a little bit more pumped up, a little bit more charismatic maybe, but we always end up coming back to this and any newcomer that comes, they stand on the table, stand on the chairs, they just belt it out and it's just one of those things that'll probably stick with us forever. But look, the, the great moments and when you've got a song like that and, and lads who were, who, were, who were singing it full pelt, again, from the outside looking in, you think, what are you doing? And, I, and I've done that myself, but when you're in, in the middle of it, you know, you just get involved. It's, uh, it's great to save at the moment because they don't come along Every every week. Uh, I don't know if you've had any chance to uh, see any of the other results today. We've also got on the uh, Zoom call Phil Annette with us, FA Cup fact file. Um, Phil, how many clubs from uh, Chorley's level, from the National League North or South or below, are still left in the FA Cup at this point? Do we know? Uh, yes, yeah, step first, uh, level six or below. Um, we've got Chorley, of course, and Darlington. And then we have a couple of others um, below that uh, step eight or level eight clubs in Marine and uh, Canby Island. So you can see the, the company you're keeping there. But for Chorley, it's fantastic. Um, equaling your best ever FA Cup run for the third time in 113 campaigns. So that's a, that's an achievement itself. First time in 30 years. So I can't believe there's been that many fans that have seen you in this round since last time. Um, and you know, for a step six club or a level, a level six club to to win away from home at a level three, that just doesn't happen too often. Probably count it on the fingers of one hand how often that might happen. I mean, it's happened twice in this round alone, but you know, it's still a very rare thing. So congratulations, and you know, you'll get a. Big... Should we give him a? Should we give him an NL full time team round of applause, <laughs> guys? Stop it! Stop it! Thank well you. done, well, Jamie. Well, All the best. You'll have some more tomorrow, I imagine. <laughs> Ready? Someone like you. I've backed you. I'll be your back singer, Jamie. Go and enjoy Stop. the victory. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Cheers, guys. Take care. Cheers, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Really appreciate bye, it. Thank bye. you. See you later. I think just... we've got we've got to cover the talkie game. Well, ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? I'm just watching the highlights now and um yeah, it was a, a crazy game. Finished six five to Crawley mm-hmm. after extra time, and Torquay were. I think it was two all, and the Crawley keeper got a really serious injury. I hope he's. Uh, we hope he's well. And I think there was was there twenty one minutes of injury time, or twenty minutes, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, in which in which time Crawley equalised. Torquay went back ahead, and then Crawley equalised again, and then in extra time it all kicked off there was goal goal mile scrambles penalties everything um well talkie uh, talkie luke went five three up i don't know how many times they thought they'd got that game won but incredibly inside extra time um crawley came back to win it six five absolutely bonkers game was that the highest must have been the highest scoring game of the round phil yeah, high scoring game of the round and there hasn't been many games in the fa cup history with more goals in um, six five uh, probably only happened nineteen times, um, and for the away team to win six five, this is I think the sixth time only it's ever happened in FA Cup history. Um, I think the highest uh, we were looking at high score draws when it was five all and thinking it was going to get the penalties, and that, you know there's not many games been more than that. So 
A fantastic win. Um, the two penalties in extra time that Torquay scored officially were scored before the three final goals in normal time. And you look at the timings of the match because the, those last three goals were scored like 90 plus 18 and 90 plus 19. <laughs> and they scored in the, the two goals in the uh, second uh, in the extra time. So, yeah, phenomenal goal game. Yeah, as you said, how Torquay must have thought they'd won it three, four, five times during that match, and to, to come away on the wrong end of that is an amazing, amazing result. Just um, one, one, one thing in terms of the stats. I know you're the stats man. You've already produced some amazing ones, but one thing that I looked at, boys, um, of the twenty-three teams in the National League Premier, um, there were twelve that entered the uh, the, the first round. Of that, uh, Bromley lost to uh, same level opposition. But of the other 10, that they all played higher level opposition. Six of them won. Two of them went to extra time and two lost. What a magnificent day for the National League. Just to add to that, it's quite interesting because um, in the first round, it's been the lowest number of National League clubs in the first round since the North and South Divisions were created in 2004. And yet you're likely to have the highest number in the second round. You've got 11 through already with Oxford City to go. And 12 is the, the highest that we've ever had in 2009-10. So it's a phenomenal turnaround in fortune uh, from what appeared to be a bad year for the National League to turn out to be being a good year, a fantastic year indeed. That's amazing. Perhaps, um, perhaps chaps, I'll put it to you, looking at the, the six National League Premier sides that, uh, that uh, came through against higher-level opposition, I'm, I'm going to say the result of the round has to be Kings Lynn, who have already just come up two levels in two seasons, then going to play away to another side in Port Vale, two divisions higher than them, and toughing it out and winning that one late on 1-0. Uh, a, a huge achievement again for Ian Culverhouse and his boys. Yeah, Port Vale's only one division, I think, but they're going well in League Two, whereas Scunthorpe... Oh, they're in League Two. Yeah. Sorry, I'm out of touch there. Yeah. And, and Scunthorpe lost at home to Solio Moors, but they're in the bottom two and really struggling at the minute. So, yeah, obviously, like you say, Kingsland, the more impressive result. And from the sounds of it, they, they deserved it as well. Yeah, and Stockport, I guess, uh, those that have seen it, the goal of the round and another great win away at Rochdale. Um, Rooney doing something his brother's done in the past, scoring from within his own half. Yeah, it was a terrific goal and it was well intended. He, he looked up, had plenty of time to take it and he uh, executed it perfect, perfectly, didn't he? It was fantastic. I mean, on, on those games, a few of the stats there, King, King's Lynn Town, it's the first time they've made it through to the second round since uh, that, that club was formed. I know a lot of their fans have affiliation with the original King's Lynn and see it as a continuation, but still, you know, I can't take that away from them. Um, Stockport County beat Rochdale this, and, and causing Rochdale to have an unprecedented new FA Cup record of the most times any club's ever been knocked out in the first round of the FA Cup, 52 times now, which is almost a half of, of the entries that they've had. So, you know, unbelievable. I, I can't remember who the third team was. Well, sorry, Hall Moles, yeah. So, sorry, Hall Moles into the second round for the third successive year. Uh, they're the only non-league team to actually appear in the second round in each of those last three years. So, what a fantastic achievement for them in Queen, their best run. And, you know, hopefully they'll get through to the third round for the first time. It's funny we spoke about Chorley and, and, and their, their stroke of fortune in perhaps getting the bye and getting through to the first round. And you mentioned Stockport there. And, of course, Stockport had, you know, they didn't think they were going to be in. 
the first round because they they'd lost on penalties to Chesterfield, but then of course we had the issue with the ineligible player earlier this week, fixture being replayed, winning that convincingly, and then you know they they go and turn in a result like that and. and I used to say they won't go further. Yeah, magnificent uh, win for Dagenham, uh, beating Grimsby 3-1 at home. Two goals there for, for Scott Wilson, a side who've not been in great form in the league, but that's a great win for them. I guess you could say the same about Yeovil. They finally got their first win of the season, winning uh, 1-0 at uh, Bromley. Um, and what about those North London teams, Barnet and Boreham Wood, both progressing comfortably through to the second round. Uh, what is it with Barnet and the FA Cup, Tom? Yeah, it's a great result for them, isn't it? And it was a, a wonderful goal from Wesley Fongi to win the game as well. I don't know if you've seen it on the highlights. If you haven't, absolutely get on there, get on iPlayer and check it out because um, it's it's unsavable, isn't it, at any level of football. They've got a good squad this year. Um, it's a really impressive result. And, and when you look at some of the teams that have qualified, you know, there's Probably uh, Phil obviously will be able to answer this for us, but it, it feels like there's quite a high proportion of non of non league clubs that have made it through to the second round. Barnet, when they're taking that sort of form into it, will feel you know there's a potentially a third round tie on the cards here, and that obviously, as we all know, is when the Manchester United's, Manchester City's, and Chelsea, Arsenal, that's a big tie, and particularly in these COVID times. Yeah, they've got fourteen up to four, could be fourteen non league clubs out of forty that are. Uh, in the second round, so that's a third of the team. So you've got to hope that some of those will go through based on cup sets, but also that they'll probably end up getting drawn against each other. So that will guarantee third round appearances as well with that number of clubs. So just out of interest, Phil, obviously it was, I think it's what, four years now since we had Sutton and Lincoln go to the uh, fifth and quarterfinals. Was there a higher proportion of non-league clubs that made it through the first round then? Is that potentially an indicator we can look at? to suggest there might be a non-league club going to go a long way, or is it much less? No. I mean, just as I said earlier about you had the fewest National League clubs in the first round, yet you could have the most in the second round, just shows you the discrepancies that can happen and you can't see any trend um, from that. So I haven't actually done the analysis to see what a, a typical number of non-league clubs in the second round is. It, it feels high, uh, 14, but I couldn't say for sure. But, you know, when we had eight clubs in the third round one year and only one of them made it through to the fourth round. So, right. you know... It, it really, it, they're always up against it. Non-league teams are always up against trying to get through. The odds are stacked against them, and they get played against higher league teams typically, and they're obviously the underdogs. But this year, with no no fans, it does seem to throw up a whole host of weird results as we've seen across football in total. So you, you know that that gap in in level is sort of negated a little bit because of the level playing field of the pitch. Do we Just think that possibly that the ties having to be settled on the same? Days a factor in that as well, with the you know the either half an hour of extra time and, and it would have been penalties in some of those ties today. You know it, it, we've spoken before about non-league teams perhaps needing to take their one opportunity to knock a big yeah. team out. And wonder if that's a factor. That's a really interesting thing when you look at the Crawley Torquay game, isn't it? When you factor in they'd played 111 minutes of football before they even got to extra time. Is that additional period going to you know? I know Tokyo are a full-time side, but the fitness levels are never going to be quite what they are as you go higher up the leagues. Is that, yeah, it's, it's interesting to wonder how that dynamic affects the, uh, the actual performances, isn't it? Well, I've done, I've done a little bit of a straw poll, but I haven't really done the in-depth analysis, but it doesn't appear to be anything to stand out to suggest that we're getting more penalties this year than we would have got normally replaced. So it's, it's, it's hard you know, without doing the actual research to be sure. Um, but... You can imagine that in, in a particularly uh, lower level teams wanting to try and maybe get the, the, the team back to their own ground. So look at, say, uh, uh, 
the Marine, for instance, who were a wonderful result at Colchester and are not National League. But, you know, they'd have been playing to try and get them back to their own ground um, rather than try and get them to penalties. So it would have been a different mindset altogether. You know, they'll probably think penalties, 50-50 chance. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's something would have really worked hard to try and make once they realise they're in that position to get there. It's but, a really good point. Um, Sorry, I was going to say it's a really good point Tom makes, though, because I, I I do think that like sometimes, like you say, with the second chance, with the replay, the league teams have time to work it out, don't they? Whereas if you catch them cold on the day, uh, could it be the way forward? I know it sounds controversial, but could it be the way forward at least up to, say, the third round? Definitely. Definitely. I don't see it coming back, if I'm honest. I, don't, I think replays are a thing of the past. I don't know if anybody still wants to fight for them. Um, we're, we're the only country I, I where do. we have replays as well, I think, in cup competitions. Replays, it's, it's one of those ones, isn't it? Financially, for the non-league clubs, replays are very, very attractive, very, very appealing. However, if you look at the benefits of getting through to the next round, replays probably actually make it quite a bit harder because you, instead of surviving 90 minutes with a, a league side, you've got to survive 180. Um, however, what I'd like to see is do away with extra time. Does anyone really enjoy extra time? No, I hate it. I completely agree with you. I'm all for it. I have to say, if we're going to finish it on one day, you don't need extra time. I went to loads of matches in the non-league early round of the FA Cup and they many of them went to penalties. But I think it's much better to do it that way than to have the extra 30 minutes. But I, I'm i a big advocate of replays. I think it's the right thing. It, um, you get a draw in the FA Cup and you are unlucky to be drawn away from home. And I think to, the, the replays are there to enable a team to negate that bad luck, to give them a chance to get the opponents back to their own ground. And I know many teams try and do it the other way around, where they try and get an away game so they get a big payday. But the truth of the matter is that you know, you're unlucky to be drawn away and you need something that helps you uh, bounce that. And I, I know it's not helpful for fixtures and stuff, but it's not really, they're not the real cause of fixture congestion. Uh, it might appear so, but actually there's you know, so few replays each year, you you're probably only looking about 1% of games actually end up going to replay in, in total over the whole competition. So I'm a big fan of them, but I do under, I do agree with Rob. I think we've probably seen the last of them. And, 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 and just a final point on extra time. Um, I'm wondering, and it's perhaps something I don't know if it can be looked into after we record the pod, but surely is that some sort of record today? Five goals in extra time in the Torquay and Crawley match. Phil, you're shaking your head. It's not. It's not, no. I mean, it's, it's probably the second highest, but uh, Leighton Orient uh, played against Drawston a few years ago uh, due to all in the replay, and Leighton Orient ended up winning 8-2 after extra time, so scoring six times in, uh, in extra time. So that, that, as far as I'm aware, is the, is the most number of goals in extra time. So five is pretty close. Um, Listeners, I promise you, we did not set that up. Phil, that is amazing to have actually been sat there with that answer. Fair play to you. I doff my cap. <laughs> sort of guess which sort of questions might turn up, <laughs> given what goes on. But yeah, I had to check in myself about half an hour ago. Just uh, just going back to the Barnet and Boreham Wood games then quickly. I mean, Barnet, I mean, do you think it, it justified them? They, they had that COVID outbreak, didn't they? But they said, no, we want to play against Leiston. They got through and then they've got through today. And it's it was a gamble, but it's a gamble that's paid off, hasn't it, in the end, Rob? Yeah, it's definitely paid off for them. Um, I didn't like it at the time. And what I mean by that was I wanted some more uniformity in the rules. How come one team that had got COVID had had to pull out and another one, you know, was able to continue? That was my only frustration. It wasn't personal against uh, any of the sides, but fair play to Barnett for, for making 
taking full advantage of that. And, and just coming to the other game, um, something not lost on most of us uh, on the on the Zoom call here um, in in our WhatsApp group. We did pick up on the needle coming into the match between Borehamwood and Southend. It was about media passes for the game and about whether match reporters being at games is essential or not. Um, I guess you could take it back further and say, is football essential or not, couldn't you? But uh, there was a lot of bad feeling uh, as a result of that. A little bit of a Twitter spat. And uh, ultimately, in the battle of the needle, it went to penalties, didn't it? And uh, Boreham Wood, the lower-ranked side, uh, came through against Mark Mosley's men. Yeah, Southend are having a horrible time. and I suppose it's not really a shock that in a way, because Southend, I think... Certainly, they did lost the last six before coming into this game. What about the debate, though? What about um, Tom? I'd be interested to know your reports. You're a photographer, so um, you know that's another another discussion again, isn't it? But is a match reporter essential? I believe so. Um, I certainly do. Um, I think, from a, a a logical perspective, if you're looking to reduce the amount of fans who are going to try and attend the match anyway, you know, we, we know that they come to games. We know that fans come and stand outside the stadiums to, to be part of the game. If you've got media present who can do the live tweets and who can, who can do the social media updates that are going and get effective match reports out and, you know, in my case, pictures, you reduce the risk of fans wanting to travel to be part of the game themselves. Um, and that's something I know that, is a point that's been made at various clubs to various councils successfully. Um, I think Boreham Wood potentially are using the uh, restrictions as an expedient way to continue. They've not always been the most media friendly club, have they? Um, you know, they do have a reputation, for example, for charging media and photographers to attend game, which is something that is actually prohibited by the National League conditions. So um, football at these levels always has a difficult relationship with the media at times. There's some clubs which are fantastic and then some which just seem to regard it as a bit of a burden. However, personally, I think in the COVID environment, media and the ability to get what's happening at these clubs out is essential. We know how important these clubs are to communities. We know how important they are to the mental health and the well-being of the fans. They want to know what's going on. PR own goal, isn't it, from Boreham Wood? In a word, in a word, yeah. But... Uh... Yeah. We've got Dickie here as well, who is, of course, a match reporter for his club. So, Dickie, your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with Tom in that, you know, it, I I double up in doing the, the stuff for my club, but then I also um, freelance for our local newspaper as well. And, you know, it, it, when we're in a situation where people being are being denied access to matches and, you know, it, even though we're streaming some of our games, we still have that sort of comments from people saying that they, they feel very distant from it, you know, and I think that anything, not anything, but if you can help bring that sort of like closer to people and keep them engaged with their football club while we're in this situation, because, you know, I think there is a a very real danger that some um, of the, the slightly more fair weather fans may drift away from clubs during this time. You know, your people will find, other things to do with their time and you know they're not perhaps willing to pay for you know to to watch a game that's being streamed and 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 then and football will will lose them um so i think it is important that that match reporters are able there to still do their thing and i think it's just important from an objective point of view as well for it not to be done uniquely by the home team as well because you know there's there's two sides in a game there's two sides to each story so uh yeah i do i do think um you know access shouldn't be I, I think there's got to be 
you know, reasonable limits on it. I think you know, all of a sudden teams turning up with a media team of 20 when they've previously only had two or three looks a little bit dubious. But um, yeah, I, I do believe that, that match reports are, are very important at this time. And I think that's another one of the criticisms that uh, has been levelled at Bourne Wood this week is, yeah, you're rejecting the South End Echo, which is a local paper that reports on non-league football and local football routinely throughout the year. Yet they had, was it three separate people from different BBC channels? Um, there seems to be a mentality at times when clubs will bring in, when the national media is interested, they will lap that up. And then all of a sudden, those people who look at and focus on and are the lifeblood of uh, publicising non-league football throughout the year seem to just get pushed out to one side. And I think um, there are definitely clubs where that doesn't happen. Clearly, there are some where it does. Dare I say, we, we've had it with the podcast as well. I mean, I've had it where we say, well, look, we don't want a table. We don't want a, a, we just want a seat in a stand. We'll, we'll do stuff on the phone, you know, and, oh, no, no, we've got our requisite, you know, amount of people. And I get it in this COVID time, but like you say, Tom, some people either don't have computers, they can't afford to log up, they can't log on the screen. Some can't afford to pay for the stream. Some can't get the local radio. So the next best thing is to follow that reporter on Twitter or follow the club on Twitter, doesn't it? It is, and, you know, and talking about the, I dare I say, you know, casting ourselves in that role of being the people who, who helped promote non-league football all the time. But, you know, I think that's why I was especially thrilled that, you know, Jamie accepted our invitation to come on earlier because I've absolutely no doubt that he's got, um, you know, bigger media organisations than than our operation trying to get hold of him wanting to get his views at the moment. So, you know, it, it, but yeah, I, absolutely thrilled to have him on. Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search One You. So we mentioned Solihull earlier. I mean, what a great what a great win for them, albeit, as I say, against a struggling Scunthorpe side. But Solihull Moors look the real deal this year, don't they? And we mentioned about Jimmy Shan, but the way they, they took Scunthorpe apart at times, some of the goals he scored were, were magnificent. Yeah, I don't know if anyone's seen I haven't seen them play yet this season. Um, I haven't particularly picked them up on the highlights. I know Gleeson got a couple of penalties. A bit nearer your part of the world, Dickie. What are you hearing about Solihull? Um, well, I, I don't know. It hasn't been so much, really. I mean, I know we've, we've Thanks spoken Thanks for that, Dickie. Cheers. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, very, very, very incisive. No, I mean, I know we, we spoke on here about that my... Um, uh, they were a bit of an unknown quantity, really, because it was a question of, you know, Jimmy Chan is, is definitely re- restyling, reshaping the way that, that they they go about their football very differently to the way they did Tim Plowers was involved. Um, but, you know, you see a result that to, like that today and you've got to be say that, you know, A, it looks like it's working and B, that's only going to give confidence to a Solihull team um, who, I mean, they went into this game without the services of Callum Howe as well. I know that he was ruled out for between four and six months. And you know, I think most people who watch National League football regularly um, count Callum Howe uh, amongst, you know, the, the best defenders in the National League. And, and they've gone there without him and, and they've achieved a terrific result. Looking at the uh, other teams that unfortunately didn't progress from the National League on uh, FA Cup weekend... So Eastleigh held MK Dons 2-0-0, but sadly went out on penalties. The higher-level side usually, but not always, does come through. On one side, a little bit like Torquay, who probably thought they'd got it in the bag, was Alan Dowson's Woking 2-0 up early on at Gillingham. But uh, sadly, 
um, as the game wore on. That one got turned around and they lost it 3-2. Obviously, there was a couple that uh, nearly made it. Concord took Stevenage to penalties. They drew 2-2, didn't they? Stevenage won 5-4 on penalties. Brackley and Bishop Starford had an entertaining game. Brackley were 3-1 up in that uh, for Bishop Starford got level. They knocked out St Albans in the last round. It was 3 all, and then Brackley won on penalties. And then, uh, as you say, Rob, another one, Hartlepool, they were comfortably beaten at Salford by two goals to nil. Um, the other one that was interesting as well today was Eastbourne Borough against Blackpool on TV. And it was interesting to hear that Eastbourne actually let Blackpool train on their pitch beforehand because it was a 3G one. And surely you'd want to get as much advantage as you could. It's very generous of him. And, and Blackpool rewarded that generosity by beating them 3-0. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a bit of a strange one. If you if your, if your team's had a 3G pitch, would you let the Football League team train on it? No. I mean, 3G, oh. 3G is used for training, isn't it, at mm. the home clubs? And so when they come onto the pitch for a 3G pitch, you've got to believe that some, some of their mindset is, oh, we're out for a training session rather than a football game. I saw that when Leeds United played at Sutton a few years ago. And you could see it in the players' faces. They look like they're out for, for a training session rather than for a competitive game. And so if you've given them an advantage by allowing them to train on it just before, and you've sort of corrected or adjusted that mindset. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I mean, we'll move on to another National League South team who, who, who were narrowly beaten in the end. And uh, Tom, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. It's Hampton against Hampton Richmond Borough against Oldham. It was one of the, the main games on uh, Football Focus this afternoon and uh, a really entertaining watch. Yeah, so I mean, as you know, we did a live, you know, we, we had a live chat while the draw was being made. Um, we had about 30 Hampton and Richmond Borough fans on on a Zoom call. Uh, and when that ball for Oldham Athletic came out again. We just couldn't believe it. Um, you know, Phil, uh, this was the question I had for you. Are there any other sides who have played 50% of all of their FA Cup proper matches against the same team? Uh, I think there are. But I couldn't tell you off the top of my head who they are. In fact, there's probably a few out there who've only, who've only played one team and played them more than once. <laughs> uh, I'd have to check it out, but it isn't normal. And I, and I was actually at a previous one a couple of years ago. I actually attended that game and... Uh, you're unlucky on that day to uh, to end up on the losing side. I don't know how it went today, but uh, I don't know if you have more of a chance to win it this time around. Yeah, I mean, well, it's similar but different today, really. Um, obviously, today was slightly different in that it was Oldham who went ahead uh, quickly uh, through Phil Garrity, um, but a Sam Deadpool penalty levelled things up. Um, but it was one of those games where Hampton and Oldham had, I think, 49-51% was the possession split, but Hampton had 17 shots to Oldham, seven. Hampton looked the more creative side. They were pretty dominant, uh, I would say, on the pitch. But Oldham were just clinical. Um, when they broke, they broke effectively. They had two two proper shots in the first half and one free kick, which was deflected onto the post from Danny Rowe, and they went in 2-1 up. Um, shortly into the second half, Hampton had the chance for a penalty, wasn't given. Oh yeah, that looked, I saw that before. That looked that looked pretty dull. Wall, yeah, I mean, a lot of the BBC commentary has said that 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 push on Jake Gray or a trip on Jake Gray, rather, was definitely a penalty. And in my opinion, it should have been. Um, Jake Gray did then try to level things up himself a bit later with a pretty shocking dive for which he received the yellow card. Um, <laughs> but the reality is, Hampton were very good. Um, Sam Deadfield was the best player on the pitch, um, but Danny Rowe is still the Danny Rowe that we know and love from, his, finish. from his National that League. That finish for the third goal. He left, two, exactly. players, he, he he left he, two players on the floor, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he went yeah. for a hot dog, didn't he, those two players? <laughs> 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 I 
he he was a cut above in terms of a finisher. Um, he had one strike which which cannoned off the post as well from the outside outside of the area. He was quality, um, and and that was the difference really. Um, his ability to finish. I think Harry Kuehl was very very um, complimentary about Hampton and Richmond Borough, but that's not what you want, is it? You you, you want them. You want to be the gallant losers. Exactly, uh, and Gary McCann said it perfectly after the game. He will be so proud, but not right now, um, because at the end of the day, if that was a game against an Oxford City, a Dulwich Hamlet, every Hampton staff member and player and coach would be leaving the pitch there, being furious that they haven't taken the three points. And as it was, uh, you know, we saw it on the BBC commentary; they deserved more than to go out by one goal margin to Oldham Athletic again. However, you know, huge credit is owed to Gary McCann. This is Hampton and Richmond Borough's 100th year as a football club. Uh, and Gary McCann has now achieved 50% of their forays into the FA Cup proper. So it's a real achievement for him. Um, and, you know, when he when he's sat there uh, in his cab tomorrow morning, I'm sure he will realise what a remarkable achievement it was. It'll be like, I never guessed who I, you never guessed who I had in my office <laughs> like yesterday. Only Harry Kuehl. <laughs> yeah, whatever, sir. Out, out they get the taxi. Another really good uh, result, which we haven't talked about, an upset was the game you were at, Phil, wasn't it? Swindon against Darlington. And we, we talked earlier but with Jamie Vermiglio. I mean, Darlington, they, they had a dramatic game against Walsall last year where he got, I think, a 96-minute injury time equaliser, went to the replay and didn't really do themselves justice. But uh, what, what a result for them down at Swindon. Yeah, brilliant result. Uh, a couple of goals from uh, Adam Campbell. Um, but, you know, watching the game, um, I think Darlington matched Swindon in every department. You wouldn't be able to tell from a, from an outsider which team was the uh, National League side, which was the EFL 1 club. Um, first goal was uh, an error, uh, an error from the Swindon defence. He had a, a poor back header and uh, Adam Campbell intercepted it and softed it past the keeper. Swindon equalised in the, in the first half with a, a well-taken team goal. Um, but the, the winner was a little bit fortuitous. It took a wicked deflection. Um, but uh, as I said, you know, Darlington were on a par with Swindon throughout the whole game. So, you know, the result was not a shock one for the watched. But obviously, a, a level six team winning away from home at level, level three. We've already alluded to that being quite an unusual feat in terms of FA Cup history. So, well done to them. And you know, in their current guise, and I know that they see themselves as a continuous club. Uh, but in their current guys, they're into the second round for the first time. Phil, was it? Do you think it's a good time to have played Swindon with Richie Wellens having left for for Salford recently? Do you think they've caught Swindon at the right moment? Well, yes and no, because the, the the previous manager had never really done very well in cup competitions. So, you know, for Swindon, it could it couldn't get any worse in a way. But uh, yeah, I mean, a, a club that's just lost their manager um, is never really going to be best prepared for any game on the next game. Um, but I don't think, I, I personally don't think that affected the way the, the game went. Um, I think it's a side issue rather than the main cause. Dickie, it's been uh, it's been great, hasn't it, for the National League North team? It's really shown the strength, hasn't it? This uh, that certainly this year in the cup competitions. I mean, what is it? Is it 
three three teams through to the second round. Yes, because we've got we've got Chorley, Darlington mentioned there, and and Brackley as well. Yeah. So, and I think Brackley have gone as far as maybe the third round in recent seasons as well. Obviously, we know that Chorley this is is the furthest they've reached in in quite a while. And of course, Darlington have a have a have a history as a football league club, and arguably they are are, are a different club now. But you know, um, they will have supporters of, of both teams who. We'll we'll want to see them, you know, back there and 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 doing that kind of stuff again. And I suppose once again, the disappointment for Darlington is they're not going to be able to have any supporters in, particularly as they'd um, negotiated a short-term move back to the uh, the old ground in Darlington as well, in order to maybe accommodate more supporters. And then, of course, a second wave of COVID comes along, and and games are having to be behind played completely behind closed doors. Looking at the other north sides as well, uh, a near miss for Fylde. Uh, took the lead early on through Jordan Hume, didn't they, at Exeter? Uh, but uh, sadly went down 2-1 to them. That's a bl- You know, it is a bit of a blow for them, but I think Fylde's sights are very definitely set on promotion this season. So, you know, I think if when we get to the end of, or if we get to the end of this season, I have a little caveat there that, you know, if if Fylde achieve their aim of getting back into the National League, then I think they will, um, you know, they they will happily accept that you know that progress in the FA Cup, uh, you know, just wasn't to be, and and that, that promotion is their main aim. Tom, poor old Tombridge, a bit of a humbling for them yesterday, wasn't it? Seven 0 at home to Bradford. Yeah, City, that's City. That is not PA. <laughs> yeah, well, that would really be a humbling, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, that's that's not what anyone wants to see, is it? We, we expect to see an upset maybe or a close run tie. A 7-0 smashing is, is not something that anyone particularly enjoys. Um, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, Bradford will have looked at that as a job well done and thoroughly professional. But for the Tunbridge players, that's got to be really gutting. It's your big day. You're on national TV. That's got to be really upsetting. Um, you know, Tunbridge have had a difficult start to the season. Um, they've, they've won one. They've lost two. Uh, they're down at the wrong end of the table at this early stage. Um, fully confident that Steve McKim, he's, he's a great man manager. He's got a really good reputation in the National League South with um, with other teams. Uh, he's a good bloke and he knows his uh, knows his football. He'll get the guys back on their feet um, and he'll get them firing. I think the games come thick and fast. Uh, Tuesday is the next round of fixtures and I don't believe there's been any dispensation for the National League South clubs who have played or any of the National League clubs who have played on a Sunday. So for, for those sides who have taken a bit of a, a smashing such as a Tunbridge, need to get picked up really quickly uh, and turn that around. Interestingly as well, I got told Bradford City didn't make any changes from their previous league game. So I think a lot of the football league clubs ordinarily did maybe like three or four, five changes, you know, to, to keep that squad rotation. But because of the situation we're in, the financial aspect is so important this year, isn't it, Phil? That a lot of teams are putting out the strongest side. So I think it shows as well when you see these National League North and National League clubs winning, what good results it is. Yeah. More so this year. Well, it's a trend that I've noticed has happened recently that the, in the first and second round, the uh, EFL one and two clubs are uh, playing to try to win because they see the big payday that they can get from being in the third round. You know, we talk about non-league clubs getting there, but it's as big a payday for them as it is for non-league clubs. So, you know, Bradford did the right thing. They had been on a bad run, I think, and they won on the previous game. So they decided to keep the same team. And uh, with a one side, uh, one eye on getting to the third round and getting maybe a good TV uh, draw that will earn lots of money. And uh, I think that's the term we're seeing with lots of clubs. The, the classic with today at the weekend was it Dutch and Portsmouth, where 
Ipswich played, made eight changes and Portsmouth played their first team more or less. And, you know, it was tight, but Portsmouth went through, which was you know, indicative of what each team felt, felt about the competition. One manager who uh, who did a bit of an Arsene Wenger with his team on Friday night, I noticed a friend of the podcast, Simon Weaver, he had a bit of a shuffle round. Um, the seven players on the bench for Harrogate Town were very, very strong. And, of course, they, they came through comfortably anyway against uh, Skelmersdale. One other team we should mention that were the Giants themselves in the first round, and that was Haven and Waterlooville. And uh, they played uh, Cray Valley Paper Mills, one of the most bizarrely uh, named teams. And, of course, the team that uh, a couple of us watched in the FA Vars Trophy not too long ago. but uh, And they thumped the post in the last minute as well. I don't know if any of you guys caught that. They so nearly got themselves extra time. But uh, Doswell at uh, Haven and Waterlooville progresses and that's another National League South side through to the uh, second round proper. Yeah, and he played a lot of that game with 10 men as well. Mm. So Godfrey Poku got sent off, didn't he, for a rash tackle, a rash second yellow in the, uh, the centre circle. So... It's uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, anything else you want to add, Phil? Before we uh, we move on. Well, from from a national league point of view, I think we've covered everything. But uh, the, the, for me, the, the the biggest performance of the round was uh, at Marine um, mm. winning you know, after penalties uh, against Colchester. So a level eight side. It's only the uh, the second time we can recall that a level eight side has, has come away from home to a league. Uh, to a level four club and one. Obviously, with Colchester being the home of the Parachute Regiment, it's very fitting that they were knocked out by a Marine. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> <laughs> on that bomb, on that bombshell, I would just like to thank Phil for coming on. It's been uh, it's been an absolute insight again of knowledge, and uh, thanks for coming on, Phil. Mm, thanks for having me. I enjoy being in this show. It's good fun. Brilliant. Great stuff. Cheers, Phil. Cheers, and Cheers, we'll, we'll maybe you. get you back for the second round if there's more upsets. <laughs> I'm sure there will be. Brill. That's uh, Phil Annett from the yeah. uh, f- to follow him on Thank Twitter at, at FA Cup Fat File. Yep. Yeah, so uh, we're going to have a quick look at the league fixtures. We won't obviously push that to one side. Uh, we're going to look at the National League. Only two fixtures there. Uh, Wealdstone beat Alchigan by a goal to nil, although Alchigan got a lot of plaudits. Wealdstone fans were saying uh, what a good side Alchigan were, but ultimately it was a win for Dean Brennan's side. And then the other. The other game, uh, I'm surprised Rob's taken this long to mention it. It was, uh, <laughs> was Aldershot against Notts County and uh, a brilliant victory for Aldershot. Yeah, it was. Of course, the FA Cup quite rightly taking um, pride of place this weekend. But uh, for Aldershot and for Notts County, you hadn't had a game for 18 days. It, it was a massive opportunity um, to, to get some league points on. Um, both sides stood to jump a lot of places up the league if they got the win. And uh, it was the shots that prevailed. I, I think, in a way, it was kind of, it felt justice for, for some of the recent performances where they haven't quite got the uh, result the performances deserve, but they got it all right on the day. Um, they looked sharp and hungry all the shot. They pressed like absolute tigers against Notts County, who did look um, like they hadn't played for 18 games, much to the frustration of, of, of Neil Ardley. Mm. Um, a deserved uh, close, narrow win for the shots. Uh, Ardley will have better days. He said afterwards it's one of the most disappointed he's ever been as Notts County manager yesterday. Um, but a little yeah. bit of credit for Danny Searle, who's had a lot of stick. He uh, bought in a goalkeeper on loan from Middlesbrough, 21-year-old. He arrived on the morning. He had and even trained with the players. 
uh, Brad James, and uh, he kept a clean sheet and, and got man of the match for some for some good sure-footed footwork and uh, a couple of decent saves as well. Just two things then on that, Rob. Obviously, what does that say for Mitch Walker? Do you think he'll he'll get his place back? And, and two, it was interesting as well, Neil Ardley also said the three games that Notts County have lost this year against sides who've been physical and in the face, he called it. I mean, would you agree with Aldershot were physical and in the faces? Well, Aldershot, are very, we, uh, some of our supporters have picked up on that comment going, wow, we've never been called that before. Well, that's what's surprising because I, 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 I wouldn't, from what you've told me, from what I've seen, I wouldn't cast Aldershot yeah. as a physical side at all. No, they're not at all. But what they did was they pressed brilliantly, as they did at Dover when they won 5-0 as well. They pressed really, really high in good numbers and they won a lot of ball back. In, in, in all honesty, in the first half, they should have... Um, punished Notts County on a couple of occasions when they had slip-ups at the back. As for Mitch Walker, well, I don't know the stats, but I'd imagine he's played pretty much as many National League games at, at this level as, as any other goalkeeper, highly experienced keeper. He's had, a, he's, he's had a rough couple of weeks, that's all. He'll respond from that. I think he'll also agree that he, like every other position in the side, should have competition for his place. And uh, maybe the young goalkeeper at Aldershot, Ryan Hall, um, who's improving but isn't quite ready to push for that place. Maybe he needs that stronger competition. And uh, uh, I know he took it extremely well yesterday. I saw him advising Brad James about all the way the sun comes down at the high street end and everything else. Um, you know, uh, good luck to Mitch. Good luck to Brad James and uh, made the best keeper in the best form win. And briefly, then, on, on Tuesday, big game, Notts County against Stockport County. Oh, that one really is. I mean, they're pretty much across the team, boys, aren't they? They were our predictions mm. to, to, to win the National League this year. I must admit, I've had to go woo and take a step back after after looking at Notts County yesterday. They definitely had a bad day and they'll come good again. But Stockport County now are going through the gears, boys, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, well, they, they, they stuttered in the last couple of games. Obviously, they shouldn't be in the FA Cup, but they, they were through an admin error by Chesterfield. And then they lost to Weymouth. So that was a big result for them against Rochdale. And maybe the bigger the team, the better they'll play. So that'll, that'll be one to keep our eyes on, definitely. Yeah, and that's on the back of playing Chesterfield for a second time in the week. Yeah. A result a lot of people missed and beating them 4-0. Rooney, John Rooney, eight goals already this season. Well backed up by uh, Alex Reid and by Bennett. And uh, I, I think Stockport are just starting to go through the gears. And, uh, you know, if I can do my prediction again now, I would pick Stockport, not 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 Notts County. Uh, but nice I can't. Try, Rob. Um, You're not do- I was going to say, nice try. You're not doing that now. <laughs> and no, not at all. <laughs> because I sent the email with the final, with the final uh, predictions on to everybody. We've all got it. It's nailed down, well, isn't it? Well, we'll come to the end of the season. That. I was going to say, we'll come to the end of the season on the spreadsheet and Rob will go, oh, look, I've put Stockport down. <laughs> I'll have you now. I completely agree with you. I think um, Norris County, they just appear to be stuttering their way through the season so far, don't they? Whereas, and, and I think we, we still probably all think that it is between those two, really, as, as has been mentioned, Solly Hull is starting to fire quite well. Um, but Norris County just don't seem to be functioning in that final third yet, whereas Stockport are... And crucially, Stockport are really sharing the goals around as well. Um, so you kind of get the impression that they're not going to be completely reliant on anyone. Whereas, you know, you spoke very clearly at the start of the season about the likes of Carl Wooten and Callum Roberts. And you thought, you know, and I agree with you, that's Callum Roberts particularly was where I was sort of hanging my hat for Notts County this season. But they I was looking forward, to, looking forward to seeing him play uh, 
on Saturday, Tom, and unfortunately he had a little nagging calf injury, so uh, he wasn't involved. And if you were anybody on the Aldershot team, management fans or whatever, seeing the team sheet and Callum Roberts wasn't on it, we actually breathed a sigh of relief. Absolutely, and I think that's where the difference lies at the moment, isn't it? Is that Stockport have got that depth. If you take a John Rooney out of the Stockport side, they've got people that can step up and cope. Um, you know, if you take, for example, Alex Reed out, they've got players that can step up and do the job that he does. Whereas I do think that maybe Notts County, can they replicate Callum Roberts? I don't think they can. Um, and that could be what's going to drive Stockport to the title. Yeah, interesting. Connor Jennings came in midweek and, and, and got a goal as well. People forget about him. So that's the, that's the amount of firepower they've got in the squad. In the National League North, well, Dickett was a, a great chance for Gloucester to go top and, and they did eventually on goal difference. Uh, they, they had a tough... Uh, Tough day, though, at Spennymore. Yeah, so I kind of imagine they probably would have. You know, I think they're two teams. Um, certainly Gloucester, I think we've said, um, were a playoff tip. And I know Spennymore is certainly a side who, who I even thought of a, an outside shot of the title. And, um, yeah, Gloucester came away with a 2-2 draw in the end. It was almost all three points for them, but denied by a penalty from that man, Glenn Taylor, just four minutes from the end of the game. They... Um, They'd gone behind to a goal from Jamie Spencer, but then then Matt McClure and Aquasi Asante put them two on ahead. But um, yeah, I think Gloucester would be fairly content with a point from from what's a, a you know an especially long trip as well, um, and and good opponents. Yeah, Southport moved up to third position. They leapfrog Boston, uh, Kidderminster, and Chester. Chester had their game called off late on on Friday because of a COVID outbreak. There, they were supposed to play York. Uh, Southport travelled to Telford, didn't they, Dickie? And uh, it was a, a hard fought draw. Yeah, it was. I think honours even was was probably um, the, the right result in the end. And I I, I know that um, I spoke to Gavin Cowan after the game, um, and also Liam Watson, and he he agreed that you know a, a, a point on the day was was probably a reasonable outcome. More so for Telford, I think, because they'd gone down um, uh, to ten men with Jack Byrne being sent off in about the fifty-fifth minute of the game. Then they went a goal down to Marcus Carver just a few minutes later, and you would think the writing might be on the wall, but but he actually seemed to energise them. And yeah, Brendan Daniels with a free kick equaliser in the sixty-ninth minute. He hit the post about a minute or so later, so it could have completely flipped the game on its head. But I think one-one was a fair result, and that that's certainly what. Liam Watson felt when I spoke to him afterwards. Liam, what do you make this afternoon's performance? Performance, I thought we were good. Uh, I, thought, I thought we passed the ball really well in the first half. Um, got in between, in, in between the lines of the way Tel was trying to play. Also got down the sides. Uh, probably got ourselves to blame that we haven't come away with three points. Jack Byrne gets sent off uh, for two yellows. And then ten minutes after he went, it seems to affect us, even though we've got the lead, but it seems to affect us. Uh, and then I thought the last 20 minutes again, which it's understandable, we've got the extra man, you're going to create chances and opportunities. Nothing really stood, really fell for us. Um, but I can't criticise the players, the performance was good, uh, no issues. Uh, and fair play to Telford, even when the chips are down, they managed to pull a great goal out from Daniels. No one can put their hands up, it's just one of them, it's just a great hit, so not, no problem whatsoever. I mean, how, how's the season going for you so far? Well, we've been very resolute. We've been extremely organised. Well, we're not conceding lots of goals, uh, and you know that's a goal from not from open play. So it, it, it's a little bit hard to take. But at the moment, you know, we, we haven't had an easy run. Uh, 
and especially when you say it's a seven-month layoff for a lot of the players, uh, it's nice to see them back on the pitch and nice to see us getting games in thick and fast and then hopefully that leaves us in good stead. Sure, plans disrupted a little bit a couple of weeks ago with Jack Sampson's departure. Uh, you, you know, I'm always being realistic as a manager where you say you get an offer, once the offer it's a figure that you think is, you know, that's, a, that's an acceptable bid. You'd ask the player whether, especially someone like Jack, who's done really well for me, if he wants the opportunity to speak to them. Once he says he did, you've just got to really stand back. You hit that decision. That decision's not made by me. It's made by the player after getting good service. It's made by the club uh, in the fact that we've accepted an offer. And, uh, you know, we wish Jack all the best because, he's, you know, he's a great lad. It uh, just means I've got to really replace him in the squad. Sure. I mean, you've had a bit of an overhaul. Um, at Southport over the summer, like Simbo Ali coming in and Marcus Carver as well. A slightly different look to your team, I think, this year. Not just in the personnel, but in, in the way you're going about things. Yeah, I'd, I'd say we play a lot more football than people ever give us credit for, uh, which is quite funny. But again, we've got a very outstanding central defender, the one who plays in the middle, who makes us play. Uh, David Morgan's a football, Russell Benjamin's a football, Jack Doyle's a footballer. Adam Hansen's good enough with the ball. Matthew Challenge is a good footballer. So you go all around, they're all technically good. Uh, if, you, if you can mix the way they can play with a little bit of streetwise, a little bit of aggression, a little bit of know-how, hopefully we'll be all right. And I suppose the departure of Jack Sampson might open up an opportunity up front for a young forward named Niall Watson. Yeah, Niall's done well in the last couple of games and you know he was probably disappointed in the start today. Uh, I actually thought the last few minutes when he came on he looked lively. He should have. Uh, but... I've got to forget the fact he's my son. I, I've got to look at it in a, in a realistic way. He's 20 years of age. He's just played against Boston. He's gone a long way to Kettering. Um, I've got York on Tuesday night. So, you know, if Niall ends up getting 20, 25 starts in the conference, oh, listen, he's, he's, he must be doing something okay. And that was Liam Watson in, in fifth position where Kidderminster today played. Leamington, who have finally got a couple of games under the belt, uh, two draws, uh, sorry, two away games and two draws for them, Dickie. So Paul Holleran will be, although they're in the bottom two, he'll be pretty satisfied with that, won't he? He will. I think it's just nice. It's just good for Leamington actually to be back out on the field and actually playing games again because, you know, the, the league day table does have a slightly odd look to it at the moment. You know, I've just got it in front of me now at the moment. And there's, I think there's a number of teams that have still only played three fixtures while other teams have played six. I know people say that you don't look at the league table till maybe 10 games have been played. Well, it could even be, you know, uh, even after 10 games, it, you're not going to get an entirely true picture in any division this season, I don't think. But yeah, that's a good point for, for Leamington away to Kidderminster. who obviously are on a really good run. I think they'd won three straight before that one. So it's a fourth game unbeaten for Russ Penn, who I think it's his birthday today, friend of the show, 35 today, I believe, Russ. So very, very happy returns of the day to him. And um, yeah, he's got Kidderminster going well and um, Leamington starting to pick up. Happy birthday, Russ. <laughs> I, the game I was at yesterday was Farsley against Gateshead and uh, it's fair to say it won't live long in the memory I saw the referee's assessor at half time and even he was bored that's how that's how uh, rubbish it was but uh, <laughs> second half was slightly better there was a couple of chances for either side but again looking like it had nil-nil written all over it until a mistake at the back a loose pass from George Smith back pass received on by Ginny Spencer he went round James Montgomery he forced him wide but Spencer kept his cool Played about to the edge area, and there was Jordan Richards to fire in his second goal 
in a week and I caught up with the jubilant manager, Farsley Celtic manager, Adam Lakeland, after the game. The game probably won't live, live long in the memory, but vital to get your first win of the season. Yeah, so important for us. Um, you know, we've had a tough start fixture-wise, um, played played really well in, in many, many games up till probably Tuesday night and, you know, fallen fallen short by you know fine margins here and there and you know Tuesday our our performance was disappointing and it was so important that we you know we got that win as quickly as we could and um, you know they're a very good side but I felt we deserved it you know I felt we we stifled them um, you know made it made it difficult for them we, we had good organisation and, and the longer the game went on I felt we grew into it got stronger and you know, we've obviously popped up with a late winner there and, and you know, I'm just pleased really for, for everybody connected to the club. Yeah, really tight game, was it? It looked like it was going to be nil-nil, but then, like you say, that run from Jimmy Spence at the end and a great finish again by Jordan Richards. Yeah, it was, you know, and, um, you know, that that's uh, that's where we've, you know, we've maybe been on the wrong side of a bit of luck in, in recent weeks and, and, you know, I think their, their defender's gone to set the ball back to a teammate and he's, he's, he's not got it right. He's actually put Jimmy through, yeah. and then Jimmy, you know, he's he's absolutely worked his socks off again, you know, and fed off scraps again. Mm. But he's, you know, he's kept going there. He showed that composure to try and go around the keeper, and the keeper did well actually to to force him wide and, and away from goal. But he just showed that little bit of composure to to set it for Jordan, and it's a great strike by Jordan, you know, to to get enough on it, you know, enough pace on it to beat the defender who's recovering, but to also keep it underneath the crossbar and get it on target. It's probably not not so easy to do on on the pitch here because it you know it does it does cut up and it is a bit lively. So it's a great strike and um, you know it's just obviously such an important win for us. Hopefully we can we can kick on now. I was going to say big springboard for you now, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I've just said there that if you look at this week and think if we can get four points from two games, you know, everybody would probably think well, you know, we might get a win against Leamington and then get a draw against Gateshead and you'd probably be happy with that. Yeah. And we, we've gone and done it the other way, but that. That's you know part of the issue that we've had um, is you know you can't look at any one team and any one game in this league and, and think that it's a given because the minute that you do that you know and you don't you don't meet the standards you need then uh, you get you get found out and you know we, we didn't we didn't play well on on um, on Tuesday and, and we were much better today um, but like you say you know it, it was important that we, we got some points on the board in these two home games and, and we're really happy with four. And uh, now we've just got to use that as a platform to kick on. I was just going to say to you, Luke, I, I, I must ask you about the performance of Dave Sires for Farsley Celtic oh. because he's been given ten in the non-league paper in the in the rankings today. So he must have been absolutely out of this world. No, he, to be fair, Dickie, I forgot to ask Adam Lakeland about it. He was he was absolutely brilliant. He was he was he was great. There was one there was one half mistake where he let the ball bounce and he thought they're going to get in and he he raised a leg, but he didn't lose a header. He was. Gateshead had a lot of possession first half, and they were putting crosses in, and he was either there to clear it or head it. And yeah, he was he was head and shoulders man of the match. He was the best player on the pitch. And ten is probably right, actually. Yeah, the two other results in the north were good wins for Bradford, two 0 and an early kick kick off against Al- Alfreton because of floodlight issues there at the Horsfall Stadium. And and by their first win of the season, three 0 at Curzon Ashton, Dicky. What a result that was. Yeah, terrific result for Blythe, that one. I'm not sure anybody would have seen that coming, but two goals for Paul Blackett and one for Chris Thackeray in a 3-0 win. I know um, uh, Stephen Cunningham, the Curzon Ashton manager, 
Um, it put a, a somewhat apologetic, but rather sort of um, a lot of fighting talk from him last night, you know, saying that things haven't gone to plan, but that he, he intends to get it right at Curzon Ashton. Yeah, Blyther, a bit of a bogey side for Curzon. I think they got most of the points against Curzon last year. Uh, moving on to the National League South and quickly. So top of the league, Tom, are Hungerford Town. Who'd have, who'd have thunk that after six games? Do you know what? I think five wins from six games for Hungerford Town is remarkable. Um, then somebody needs to sit down with Danny Robinson and just ask him like, what his secret is. Um, you know, is he maybe a wizard? We need some sort of answers because this is ridiculous now. Um, admittedly, Braintree are not the toughest test in the division at the moment. They've got a sum total of zero points and minus 10 goal difference now. Um but they did it with Andy Goals from Ryan Seeger as well, which was notable. So, again, another side who were managing to share the goals around. It was a double from Luke Hopper, um, who signed from Chippenham in the summer. So, a really, really good result from Hungerford. Um, and they're keeping the pace up. Um, they host Hampton and Richmond Borough, who, as we know, have had a energy-sapping 90 minutes on a Sunday afternoon as well, on, on Tuesday. So, what chances then being six wins and one loss from seven games? Um, you wouldn't put it past them. Uh, and they're they're looking pretty tight at the back as well. They've only conceded four goals, so fair play, Hungerford. I think the other game which which really is looking at from this division, um, big game, yeah, is, yeah, Dartford two, Dorking three. Um, that is two of the sides that you would expect to be duking it out at the end of the season. Um, so for Dorking to go away to Dartford and get the three points, that is a statement win. That is absolutely a statement win for Mark White's side. He was pretty critical of how they played in the loss against uh, Hungerford. He was demanding a response today and he absolutely got it. Um, Wes Fogden, Jason Pryor and Matty Briggs with the goals there. Um, Jason Pryor just sort of continuing to stake his claim for being one of the most uh, potent goal scorers at this level of football. Yeah, first defeat for Steve King's Dartford. Sneaking up into second place, Maidstone. We were critical of him last season and I I mentioned it last week to Darren and he said they look a much more better unit this year and they've gone to Slough and got a good result and I know uh, John Underwood said afterwards uh, he felt it was philosophical but he, he praised how good Maidstone were I think both of those wins uh, for Dorking at Dartford and Maidstone at Slough were, were, were statement wins yesterday uh, you know Maidstone's took them up to uh, second place as you say uh, Scott Rendell uh, with their first goal. And uh, I notice on the score sheet, the other two goals are Mr. G. Porter. Is that the Mr. G. Porter that was banned from football for a year has uh, reappeared at Maidstone, Tom? It is. Uh, he uh, signed from Bromley in the summer. Um, and I think this is, this is a really good indicator, really, of how strong the Step 2 leagues are this season. All the goals here were scored by players who were National League the year before. I think... We've seen COVID is squeezing squads at the, at the league level. And as a result, players are dropping down. And as a result, that trickles down. Paul Hodges should be at Woking, should be a National League footballer, scored twice for Slough Town. Scott Rendell, uh, George Porter should be National League footballers, scored the other goals. Uh, it's a real fillip for the quality that we're watching at, at Step 2 this season. Um, and and think, like, both of the other two games in that league were fascinating results that day as well. Bath City losing at home to Hemel Hempstead. Hemel are... One of the teams that I would expect to struggle this season. Um, they brought up a lot of players from Step 3 and Step 4. They're reputedly or reportedly operating on quite a small budget. But Bath have started badly. They've got one win from their opening five. This isn't what people expect from a Jerry Gill side. And he is going to need to address this soon. And then, of course, uh, Chelmsford smashing Welling United 4-0 uh, down in Kent. 
the management team down at Welling, um, but, uh, Bradley Quinton, we know what he did when he was at Braintree and Enfield. Uh, he's assisted by Maris Patach, who's a you know, really up-and-coming young coach from the London area. But they need to get their squad sorted because as it stands, they're, they're looking in trouble. Frankly, there's a few sides who will be looking at Braintree this season and feeling quite lucky that only one team's going to go down from the National League South. Yep, Chelsea moving, moving up to eighth, just outside the playoff places as well. And a final point, Luke uh, and boys on the uh, National League South. We've mentioned those five games. One little pattern, every single one of them an away win. Uh, just backing up those uh, conspiracy theorists who, <laughs> who think that uh, that it's now better to be away than it is at home. And uh, if you looked at just that division, you'd have to concur, wouldn't you? That is it. Thank you very much for listening to us in what has been a bumper edition, but a very enjoyable edition of the NL Full Time. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NL Full Time. And subscribe to us on Spotify and iTunes. Guys, thanks very much. Cheers, Luke. Cheers, guys. Have a good week. Cheers. Good Good to speak to you. Uh, And that is it. And we'll see you all very soon.